Hello everyone and welcome back to Chill Pill. My name is Emma Ives and I am the creator slash host of this fabulous podcast. I created this podcast since I love all things medicine. I love reading about it. I love talking about it. And my roommates are sadly getting kind of sick and tired of hearing about it. Today we're going to be talking about food, which is every college kid's favorite pastime. I feel like we talk about food a lot in college. Here today is my friend, Noelle Wallace. Hello, everybody. She's a dietetics major and is minoring in functional medicine, which I don't know what that is, but it sounds really cool, and I think we're going to learn about it today. Mm -hmm. So I hope you're all excited. Again, I'm not a medical professional, not yet anyway. We're working on it. It's a multi-step process. It involves taking the PCAT and interviewing and applying to pharmacy school and then eventually being a pharmacist, which is like three things. So I think that's pretty easy. I think Noelle would agree with yeah, me. Yeah, I have about like three steps like that too. Yeah, it's, but... it's three things. Three things. Super <laughs> three things easy. and then we're medical professionals. Yes, we're three things. There. Anyway, how... we're not there yet. There, there's, there's several years ahead for us on our medical journey. Um, so if you do want medical advice, please seek out your primary care physician and open up a dialogue about health with them. I'm sure they would really appreciate it, and it also would be really beneficial to you. Uh, we will link all our sources in the description. Uh, please go check those sources out. Those scientists probably worked really, 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 really hard to get those papers published. Lots of blood, sweat, tears, long hours, sleepless nights, and they would really appreciate it if you read their work. So, Noelle, what are we, what are we going to talk about today? Yes, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about how food can function as medicine, um, because food is really kind of the beginning of all things, and we want to talk about its purpose besides just giving people energy. So, yes. Yes, and I love when medicine intersects with, like, other areas of medicine. Mm -hmm. We should have more intersectionality of like that kind in the field of like pharmacy and medicine in general. Yeah. And I think especially with like the field of dietetics, because a lot of times that's really overlooked, especially with the medical care team in hospitals and um, a lot of clinical settings, they're like, oh, the dietitian is on the patient's care team and yet their advice and like uh, what they have to offer is oftentimes overlooked. And yeah. so kind of sad but that's why we're talking about it yes and we're bringing we're bringing <laughs> light to this overlooked field of dietetics and how yes. they actually contribute to the patient's care team medicine is still needed that's that's the whole that's our whole point of the podcast medicine yes. is still needed but food food can complement medicine i think do you mm -hmm. agree i think you would agree i on definitely that? agree food is definitely like something that no matter like where you are in life or whatever um illness you may have like food is still something that can play a part in your care um but yeah it's definitely not a substitute for medicine there are times when drugs are still needed um and it's not in any means a cure but it can definitely be a complement and a supplement for mm -hmm. that so is dietetics more than just like i feel sick and i need to eat chicken soup like is that is that is that more <laughs> there's more to dietetics than just i feel sick let me eat some soup and feel better there's a lot more to it and a lot of people just think, oh, just eat healthy. Um, but there's so much more to it. We have um, just the way the food is metabolized in your body is incredible. And that's like a whole nother topic. We use food in the context of like clinical settings when we use medical nutrition therapy. And basically what medical nutrition therapy is, is, is when you're looking at what is what are this person's, either their family history, their medical history, and how can we use nutrition as an intervention in this patient's life in order to increase their um, quality of care and the way that they're currently living. 
So I think the next big question that our listeners might have is mm-hmm. how do we use food as medicine? How how yes. is how <laughs> how can we do that? How can like mm-hmm. our you know the patient's primary care team has probably it's like the head doctor, but then you also have some pharmacists mm-hmm. on there, you have nurses on there. What's the dietitian? How are they going to be able to contribute mm-hmm. to that like patient's overall care experience? It depends on the patient. And it depends on their specific level of care. So I currently work at the hospital and we have people who are on a wide variety of diets. For example, people who might be going to get a transplant, a lot of times we'll either put them on a renal diet or we'll put them on like a liver diet. And those diets will be restrictive enough so that uh, when they go into the surgery for their transplant, like there's no complications that arise. I mean, oftentimes that's things people don't think about when they think, oh, I'm having surgery. Like they don't think like, oh, I need to, I'm going to have to follow this special diet so that, um, like the surgery is able to go successfully. And that's a lot of what um, dietitians do in hospitals. In a more practical setting for like the average person, you can think of in the way that, I guess I'll bring up the term phytochemicals. So food contains um, phytochemicals, which are, those are basically active substances, um, but they don't provide any like caloric, they don't provide any calories. Um, So for example, um, a lot of people talk about going on like anti-inflammatory diets. Um, And though I don't really condone dieting, um, there can be things that can be beneficial. So if if you want to, for people who have like arthritis or some form of inflammatory disease, sometimes looking at what you're eating and um, doing something more anti-inflammatory can be really helpful. So for example, like grapefruits are a food that's anti-inflammatory. Um, and can help kind of reduce that body inflammation. And so that's kind of just a practical example of how someone might use food as medicine in their daily life. And again, it's very individualized. So it's not like what works for one person is going to work for everybody. Yeah, That's just an example. We hear the word patient-centric care a lot. At least I feel like I I do. I worked Mm -hmm. in a pharmaceutical company for two years, and I think I heard patient-centric care all the time. So you're saying that food can be kind of that individualized medicine, which you see a big push in science right now about individualized medicine and customizing medicine to people. Mm -hmm. And you're saying that food could potentially help out with that? Yes. So like I said, I'm majoring in dietetics, but my minor is actually in functional medicine. And what functional medicine is, is it's very individualized. So it's very patient-centered. And we're focused more on figuring out why people have certain symptoms and we're looking at the underlying cause of disease. Um, And it's a more of a preventative approach. And that's what food is, is it's really a preventative approach to potential um, diseases or chronic illnesses that may arise in the future. Whereas we have conventional medicine, which is more disease-oriented. So a patient is already um, showing some symptoms of uh, whatever disease and it's usually early detection. And that's kind of a lot different because doctors are looking at, oh, this person already has this problem. Let's focus on that. And usually it's symptom focused instead of patient um, centered. Um, And a lot of times those patients are all treated the same as in the course of their disease. They're treated as a disease and not a person. Yes, exactly. Whereas functional medicine is looking more at the person. How can we help this person live the best life now before they even exhibit any symptoms of any diseases. And that's really where nutrition can come into play um, because that's the number one preventative measure that people can take. Well, I think this is really cool because with if you're using food in conjunction with medicine, over a period of time, if you're taking a medication, 
you might need to up the dose for you yeah. to have the same like effect of what your medication's doing for you. And taking a lot of medication is kind of bad for you because you have to keep up in doses. And there's a point where you reach like the maximum dose that you can can you can have. And so I feel like if we used food as that in conjunction with, then a person could saying somebody who's taking a chronic medication for something, mm-hmm. they could take that medication at a lower dose for longer mm-hmm. before having to up the dose because their bodies become accustomed to it. So I think yeah. that would be really beneficial. So I think we're at a good place to segue into just kind of American medicine and food habits mm-hmm. because I feel like there's some similarities. Um, in medicine, we really like, well, we meaning the general public in America really like those quick fixes. You take a pill, you're on it for five days, you're done. You don't have to ever take it again and you feel better. Um, I think you guys have that in food as well Mm -hmm. with that, like that relationship with food that it's just a convenience. Yes. So food is definitely treated as a convenience. Um, One of like the big American myths is that food is just there to serve as an energy source. And that's all that it's there for is I eat food because it provides me calories and that's what I need in order to survive. Like people can have a much better relationship with food than that. And the reason, and then because of that, people see food as a convenience and they want it to be fast and easy because they don't want to have to put thought and time and energy into making sure that they're, that they're eating like a balanced meal. I think like, that's why like talking about it is so important because it helps like people realize like, oh, like food can do so much more for me. It's, um, it serves a social purpose. It serves cultural purpose. It serves religious purposes. Like it has, there's so much more to food. I think I, you can disagree with me, but I think the, the mindset that kind of the root of this problem is that we live to work and that is Mm -hmm. it. We, you have to take that fast acting Advil because you have to go back and do a work and you cannot live with that migraine for two hours. Like Mm -hmm. you, you have, you're done with your eight hour work day and you're on your way home and you don't have time to cook for you or your family or whoever you live with. Mm -hmm. So you stop somewhere along the way so that you don't have to cook when you get home. Yeah. And I, that's just, I think that's an overlap between both the field of dietetics and pharmacy is that medicine Mm -hmm. has to be fast and food has to be fast because we just live to work and that's it. Yes. Um, this is something that we've actually discussed, like in some of my classes, I do agree. Like Americans are workaholics. I have quite a few, uh, I know quite a few people who, um, are actually international students. And that's something that they always tell me. They're like, oh my gosh, Americans are such workaholics. Like all they do is they live to work and which is a whole nother topic in itself. But yeah, I agree that that kind of contributes to just people want things that are convenient. Yeah. Um, and that's also like how medicine is plugged a lot as well. Like you see in medical commercials, they're like, oh, this is fast acting. So you can get back to work really quick. And um, I by know- the way, America, New Zealand are the only countries in the entire world that allow drug advertising on television. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah, because it's advertised as this is something fast and easy so you can get back to work. Like you're dealing with migraines. This is the way to do it. I think the next question with now that we've decided that dietetics just needs to be integrated into into medicine, like it's going to happen overnight. We're going to change the world. Well, it's great. Um, (laughs) I think the next thing is how do you know what to eat? Because everyone's like, eat healthy. Mm -hmm. Well, what is that? Yeah, it's really hard because currently in America, we're in this age 
that's basically called the age of nutritionism. And so what nutritionism is, is it breaks food down into like the sum of its parts. So instead of saying this is, so for example, like we have milk. So instead of just saying like, this is milk, it's broken down and people, um, especially in stores, it's advertised as high calcium and, or either like low fat. Um, and they're, they've broken down this food and are instead pushing all the nutrients. So people are hearing terms like saturated fat, cholesterol, trans fats, those are bad for you. They're hearing these terms, but they don't really know why I don't those even things know would be mean. bad for you. I, yeah. I, I know what saturated and unsaturated fats are from organic yeah, chemistry, yeah. and that's about it. And it's like, I know what those are because I'm a dietetics major, but like the average American isn't going to know like what all these terms are, or they don't know what fiber is or what fiber does in your body, but they hear like, oh, fiber is good for you, but they don't know why. And they, they're just faced with all these, this conflicting information, even in just the diet culture that we live in, where it's one fad diet after another fad diet. So, I think the media has an issue, yes. has something to do with that. Like, oh, yeah. Way back when, when I uh, wrote that episode and talked to you all about antidepressants in the media, I talked a lot about how people parrot what they see on TV. So mm-hmm. if you see somebody who's taking an antidepressant and they're vilified for it, you're not going to want to take one yourself because that person is obviously having a horrible medication experience and it's you're projecting it onto what your potential medication experience is going to be. That output is impacting what your your like feelings about medication are. Yes, yes. And the same is true of food. Like you're getting all these different conflicting things from the media and diet culture is so pervasive in society. And so one day you're hearing, oh, you should have a low fat diet. But the next day you're hearing you should have a low carb diet. And so people just never really know. Um, so it can be very hard just for the average person to know. The big thing that people should do is just talk to a medical professional. Um, doctors can be a resource when it comes to like knowing what but specifically eat, like but a specifically dietitian. a dietitian um, because doctors, they actually only get about two weeks of nutrition training in med school which they should get more, but might be right for one person is not going to be helpful for another person. Like eating healthy can mean so many different things. Again, it's a really broad term. Um, I think if, like, I believe that our, we society, like the general public needs to have kind of an open dialogue with their doctors. And they just, I feel they don't have that right now. It's a very one-way street um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I feel that I think it's the same way with food like we need to have an open dialogue that like food's okay yeah medicine is okay yeah both of them together can like complement and help each other out um because I feel sometimes we push medicine too hard oh yeah on people and you know you go to the doctor with something and they're they shouldn't be doing this they should be antibiotic stewards yeah but they (laughs) will they'll like push antibiotics, they'll push antibiotics or something that doesn't really need it. I think that's just really detrimental to people because then people start believing that you ha- there's a pill to fix everything, which there's not. Mm-hmm. And especially, it's especially hard on people who have chronic illnesses. Because when you have a chronic oh, yes. illness, chronic illnesses have like the highest rate of um, drug adherence, highest rate of non-drug adherence mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say, which means that People who have to take a drug for a very a longer period of time than typical typical drug taking is about I would say the longest I've like seen for like a short amount of time is like fourteen days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the longer the days, the higher the non drug adherence is going to be. And so if you have a chronic illness, 
you're you're upset because it's not a one and done deal. You're not one pill yeah. and you're you're cured. It's you have to continuously take something over a period of time. In reality, it's not it's not that way for some people who have to take yeah. a chronic medication, like those people who have to take medication for like HIV, because that's an that's a lifelong condition. You don't mm -hmm. get cured mm -hmm. of it. Um, people who have to take antidepressants and other drugs for mental health, that's a chronic mm -hmm. condition. We don't have cures for it. We're taught from a young age that it's a taking medicine is going to make you feel better. Yes. And it's like, it's going to be instant, but it's mm -hmm. sometimes it's, it's not that way. Which is not necessarily. Yeah. Food can definitely complement a lot of medical issues. And even though it's not a cure, like there can, are definitely components, like you brought up, um, like mental health and people who are on antidepressants. Um, I've known some people who have been on like anxiety meds and they've decided to kind of adjust their diet a little bit as well. Um, and it's usually like cutting back on a lot of like refined sugars and processed foods and um, eating more naturally. And a lot of times that was kind of, um, they had positive results from that where they, um, like they felt like they were in a better, better mental health state I think from just this really short discussion, I feel like we could talk about this all day. And we did when we were planning this episode. We talked oh, for yes. several hours. Um, food and medicine are very individualistic. Mm -hmm. They're they're customizable, which we love customizable things in America. Yes, yes. So I feel we should start pushing this food medicine thing. And I mean, mm -hmm. we are because we'll be medical professionals in like six years, <laughs> six, seven years, depending on how long uh, school takes. Eventually. Uh, eventually. But I think we can have that compliment, that nice little yeah. compliment with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of the day, there's there's no one-size-fits-all answer for this no, one. No, I think Which, that's definitely a good takeaway. Sorry, America, you love your one-size-fits-all answers. The answer is not just eat more vegetables. No, the answer is not just eat more vegetables. <laughs> it's it's not very complimentary. taking ibuprofen. It's no, different. It's different. <laughs> a special thanks to Noelle Wallace for sharing her expertise on this episode. We are not medical professionals, so please seek out your physician for medical advice. We will link all our sources in the description, so please go check out those scientists and give them all your love. The intro music was done by Cooper Wood, and the artwork was done by me. My name is Emma Ives, and thanks again for listening to Chill Pill.